This episode is brought to you in part by Akunu. Akunu for Sales is the first buyer-aware platform for account-based selling on Salesforce. Akunu integrates your sales process with buyer behavior to verify buyer-seller alignment and increase confidence in the status of your deals. It eliminates time-consuming data entry for sales reps and makes your sales pipeline and deal review meetings data-driven and much more efficient, giving your sales reps and their managers the time and insights needed to win more deals. So do you know how your deal review process stacks up against other B2B sales organizations? Visit akunu.com forward slash accelerate to access Akunu's benchmark report revealing the deal review habits of B2B sales managers and tips for managing deal reviews. See how you stack up and create your action plan for a better deal management. Get your report at akunu.com forward slash accelerate. That's A-K-O-O-N-U dot com forward slash accelerate. It's time to accelerate. Hey friends, this is Andy. Welcome to episode 571 of Accelerate, the sales podcast of record. My guest on the show today is Rick Nucci. Rick is the co-founder and CEO of Guru. And our conversation today is going to be about sales enablement. And this is a topic, as many people know, is a topic of growing importance in today's complex sales environment. And Rick and I are going to dive into what sales enablement really is and talk about how effective sales enablement can help to elevate the productivity of your sales team. If you'd like to see the show notes for this episode, you'll want to go to andypaul.com forward slash 571. We provide a timestamp breakdown of this and all conversations on Accelerate. Make sure you check that out. Now, friends, we all hit a sales slowdown from time to time, and you know, oftentimes, Sales leaders want to default to this notion that the solution is more structure and more process. But sometimes you need to you know, get a new perspective, try new ideas to sort of break out of the doldrums and make sure that your team is selling up to its potential. So if you're looking for new ideas about how to amp up and accelerate your sales, then you need to read this new report I put together just for you. It's based on the specific recommendations of more than 300 leading entrepreneurs, sales leaders, sales thought leaders, and experienced executives that I personally interviewed on this program. And I compiled their practical tactics and strategies into a step-by-step guide that you can use to accelerate and amp up your sales today. So don't wait. Download your copy. It's for free. Go to accelerate.fm forward slash accelerate. That's accelerate.fm forward slash accelerate to get your free copy today. I mentioned a couple times recently I've changed my Twitter handle. So if you're following me on Twitter, you can, uh, you'll notice it's changed to at RealAndyPaul. And if you want to follow me on Twitter, again, it's at RealAndyPaul. Um, yeah, I have a lot of things going on that really necessitated the change. As I mentioned before, we tried to get just plain at AndyPaul. Some gentleman in France has been sitting on that name for eight years <laughs> and not tweeting. And uh, yeah, we weren't able to get that name. But anyway, so at RealAndyPaul. As you might have heard at the beginning of the show, if you're paying attention, this episode is brought to you in part by Akunu. Kuno for Sales uses a visual framework to help sales reps sell in complex accounts and help sales managers coach and manage their reps better. Enable sales organizations to improve their sales performance by surfacing the information that drives better sales execution and keeps your sales reps and sales managers focused on following your process and engaging all the right buyers at the right time. Finally, before we get to the interview... I want to remind you that we want to hear your questions. What are the sales challenges you're facing? What particular challenge that you've been dealing with? You just 
need a new perspective on it, you know, objective third party to weigh in and maybe give you some new insights. If that's the case, I want to hear your questions. So send your question to me two ways. You can do this. One is email. Just send it to andy at andypaul.com. Or you can go to my website, andypaul.com, lower right-hand corner. There's a red button that ask your question. Click on that and just speak your question. I'll get your question as an audio file. And each week, I'll choose one question from those submitted the previous week to answer on my Friday conversation with my great friend, Bridget Gleason. And so you get actually two answers for the price of one. And the winner, the person who submitted the question that we choose to answer, will win a free half-hour coaching call with me. Now, that's a $250 value. So don't delay. You know, submit your question today. Again, two ways. Email at andy at andypaul.com. Or just go to the website the simple way. Click that red button that says ask your question. Just speak your question. And I'll get it as an audio file. And if you're the winning question, we'll play it on the air. All right. So let's jump into today's conversation with Rick Nucci. Rick, welcome to Accelerate. Hey, Andy. Thanks for having me. Hey, it's my pleasure. So... I have a standard question I open the show with that's that uh, ask all my guests, and that is, in your mind, what what's the single biggest challenge facing sales reps today or sales leaders today? I think it's getting the attention of the buyer, and I'm sure people would hear that and go, well, what do you mean? That's always been a problem. But but it's... Um, yes, they I would. Think, I think <laughs> it's an accelerated issue because uh, there are so many technologies now that when used the wrong way can flood your prospects inbox. I think there's so much more uh, engagement attempts going on that the need to be, we can certainly dig into this more, but personalized, contextually relevant, targeted are just more important than ever. And uh, so I think the challenge is actually a greater challenge than it has been in the past because of that. Again, I think it's the it's actually the technologies that that a lot of sales teams are using these days that are proliferating that problem. Right. So what you're saying is we're creating the the issue ourselves. We are. Yes. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. So uh, if people probably I'm dating myself with the reference to the old comic strip comic strip Pogo uh, about swamp animals and telling you. <laughs> that that lived and uh, had very interesting political discussions, but you know it's a famous famous expression from one of them that uh, we have met the enemy and he is us. Yes. Um, so so it certainly seems to be the case. I mean, I I sign up for mail lists all the time just because I want to be on the receiving end. <laughs> I want to see what the experience is like, right? Being in my business, uh, writing Ooh. about this, talking about this. I want to. See what it's like to be a prospect, and yeah, it's not a very, not a very good experience. It's not, and and even if you don't sign up, right, you're probably on LinkedIn as I am. Uh, your email address has probably been found by one of a bunch of different technologies, and so you're getting a lot of uninvited outreaches too, which has always happened, and that's fine. But it's now happening at a noise level that's just a Amazing, And it's not a good experience. And it's not a good experience because it's very untargeted. It's very, um, it's, it's, you know, I mean, if, if, if the goal here was to go, okay, well, we used to do marketing automation where everyone got the same email and now it's sales automation. And so it's a highly personalized outreach and, you know, we're getting contextually relevant things. We're far from that. You know, I, I, <laughs> yeah, think I was going to say, of, hopefully you were having yeah. quotation marks around that when you had said <laughs> highly personalized. Yeah. Yes. Well, so we're not. So how are we going to bridge that gap? 
Well, that's the part that I don't think is technology, right? I think um, I think we have to um, find uh, challenge ourselves as we're building sales organizations and we're establishing sales process and we're establishing our outbound motions that we deploy for our sales teams that we actually do follow through with the the promise of, of not 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 taking the easy path of letting a cadence thing send the same email with a different first name substituted a thousand times and then go, okay, really understanding our buyer, their title, their role, what they care about and how we can help them and make sure we owe it to ourselves to make sure that that person knows how we solve their problem from where they sit in the organization, you know, at, 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 at our company guru, um, where I work, you know, we have, you know, one product that's sold to several different personas, but the way we talk about it is very different. And I think that's a good example of, or, or just one of a bunch of examples of how, how we do that. But I think it's the, it's the non-technology part of creating the muscle and the discipline and, you know, the monthly process where we're reviewing our, our outreach process and how we're communicating with folks and, and, and being hard on ourselves and going, are we, are we, you know, are we actually doing this? Are we actually having this conversation with a prospect that's value additive to them and personalized to them? Well, and so how within your own organization, how are you personalizing these outreaches? Cause I mean, this is, this is really a cultural shift we're talking about, right? Cause we've, we've embraced yeah. these tools very quickly in the last course of the last several years, last handful of years yeah. uh, and developed a set of, Worst practices that we, you know, are typically followed by, <laughs> by the bulk of salespeople that use it, and yeah. sales organizations use it. So how do we how do we break that? Because you know the the basic conflict with it is you know what's gone hand in hand with the ability to to do this type of outreach on a mass basis is that now people are chartered and measured on doing these mass outreaches. Yes, uh, excellent point there. So I'll share three things we do that I think. Uh, our team has done an awesome job of, of instituting one, which is what you just said is how you measure. So I don't think you, I don't think the right metric for an SDR is volume of outreaches. I think it's wrong. I think, um, I think the, 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 the solution starts with how you measure the performance of your, of your SDRs. And I believe uh, and I learned this from 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 my sales leader at Guru that it's it's about quality. It's it's about not how many people, how many emails did you send this month. It's how many qualified appointments did you get this month, or whatever that success metric of the ADR is or SDR is on the other side of the conversion. There, that's the one to focus in on. And we literally stopped any form of volume based compensation. When I say volume, I mean top of the funnel, how many things are you sending out? Because I think you're just really trying to like um, make sure they're working a lot in the day by doing that. It's really all that is. But the uh, really big problem with that is I think it encourages this behavior we're talking about. So that's the first thing. Well, I think, I think it's thing, not just trying to make sure people are working. I think it's, it's somehow this sort of blind faith in the fact right. that if we send 1,000 yeah. emails, then sending 2,000 must be twice as good. That's right. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely right. Um, and I, and I think that's just flawed thinking. I think, I think yes. it's, um, it's much more, 
you know, you, you, you know, the extreme version of what I'm saying is, is you almost you almost want your your sales team thinking like product managers, right? You know, product, pr- good product managers and product marketers are extraordinarily persona focused. They're so focused on who's using my product, how are they using it, why do they use it, what problems does it solve. It's interesting is it's a that's a lot of the exact same questions that good salespeople know how to answer and then form that into their initial outreaches, right? So so it's a very um, related concept in a lot of ways. You're just doing it at scale, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was the first one. So second one, um, we don't allow any outbound email to be sent from a template. So every first email to someone that we're contacting has to be written bespoke by the, by the rep. And so that at least for, so, so any sort of cadence or follow-up process or anything like that, sure, that's where we leverage some automation, but that's only after that first um, email was sent bespoke handwritten our volume is going to be much lower as wait, a result wait wait of that. wait 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 handwritten yeah. you said uh sorry typed it typed into their their browser okay. not a handwritten <laughs> note uh typed into their browser but but written by a human right okay. not a template not a the only thing different is their first name All right. so so that, but i guess the question for me is that's great I, I love the sound of that but is that um you can then start the cadence like right away or is it Hey, we have to get a response to that first email first before we can initiate the rest of the cadence. We're always looking for a response before we initiate the cadence. Yes, um, we'll leverage cadences if you request a demo from us. We'll we'll remind you a few times that you asked for that. Um, if you reply to us, there's usually a pass we'll take uh, based on what you say. Sure, uh, I'm not interested. We have this. We have that. Um, but uh, but no, it's. Um, it's much more um, personalized, reply-oriented. Okay. Well, that that's pretty different. I mean, I, compared to many organizations that I've worked with and talked to, is is the first mail is just the first mail of the cadence, and the cadence starts with the first mail. And hey, you know, you may get your second mail the next day, never having heard back from the person. Yep. Yeah. Okay. All right. So so uh, so that's been. Well, um, so let me let me follow up yep. with that then. So. How then do you follow up to that that first personal mail that's sent? What does your team do to follow up? That one, I mean, that one will be um, less uh, manual or custom, or you know, n- n- nothing all that innovative there. Um, it's more so. So they'll they'll send a, a note um, with uh, typically a top of the funnel um, sales asset, something value additive, like, it, like, so it can't be, Hey, did you get my email? You know, that, that doesn't work. Um, but they will send something that's not necessarily, um, uh, this will relate to my third point, you know, persona specific top of the funnel asset, mm-hmm. something that's value additive as a follow up sure. if you sure. don't hear back. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, but, but it's really emphasizing that first note because that forces the discipline um, around researching your, your, your potential buyer who you're trying to reach out to. Um, and that really gets to my third point, which I think is, um, perhaps, you know, most important of those. Um, and that's, uh, investing in product marketing, um, early. Uh, I don't know, I don't know necessarily what early or late means in that comment, but I can tell you, for example, we, we hired uh, a great product marketer, uh, after our, uh, third rep joined the company. Mm-hmm. Um, so 
I view that as pretty early. I, I've heard other ratios where you have more like a one to 20 ratio um, of reps to product marketing, things like that. So, so I think, I think uh, that potentially means we're early, but I think it's so uh, uh, critical. And, and again, more what did it do for critical you? than the past. Yeah. So what it did for us is allowed us to learn and execute on those specific personas and the corresponding messaging in our outreaches, the corresponding way we talk about our product, the way we highlight certain features, the way we demo it, the sales assets themselves, uh, all the way to our website and messaging very early in the process. And I think it, it, it helped us learn both who's a good fit for our product and who's not. And uh, when we do know who's a good fit for our product based on other successful customers, have a much higher confidence that they'll engage with us and interact with us. So it's that, that sort of more surgical precision of going, okay, if you have good product marketing sitting with your reps from the beginning, mm -hmm. crafting that, that message that's relevant to that buyer, and that's all product marketing thinking about all day long, um, it, it's an investment that pays dividends. And I think it goes directly to this point of how do we scale a sales organization that has to be good at having conversations with different people in the org that care about different things for different reasons and really, really make a commitment to the company to, to building that muscle early. Um, so, so that's the third one that I, that I, that I believe a lot in that um, I think has, has worked well for Guru. And so do you find that, you know, you're carrying fewer prospects in your pipeline? Yes. Uh, uh, or or le less that there's fewer prospects in the pipeline um, mid-funnel, but top of the funnel coming in? Yes, definitely. Um, our, our appointments, our, our quantity of appointments per month per SDR um, is going to always look a bit lower than industry standard, but really good quality um, as a result of that and, and really good confidence that... Um, it's the right person coming in to solve the right problem. Interesting. Very interesting. Okay. Well, let's talk a little bit about Guru for people who aren't familiar with us. So tell us a little bit about what, what you do. Sure. So uh, I'm the co-founder and, and CEO of Guru. Um, Guru is uh, a knowledge management app that lives where you work. So uh, we are typically replacing things like sales portals, uh, wikis, um, intranet sites, uh, which tend to just collect a bunch of sales assets and competitive battle cards and objection handling. Uh, and uh, that stuff's gone stale. It's too hard to find. Uh, reps don't trust it. They stop using it. Really poor adoption. And we replace all that. And what, what, what Guru replaces that with is a solution that is built into all the things you're already using. So if I'm a salesperson, I'm spending time uh, in Salesforce. I'm spending time in Gmail. I'm spending more and more time in Slack uh, and, uh, and, and, and LinkedIn Sales Navigator and Cadence Tools and lots of other places. Guru follows me around and lives in all of those, built into all of those places. We have a browser extension. We have a Slack bot. Uh, and we're, 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 we're built into all those things. And so the result of what happens post guru for a sales team specifically is, um, reps tend to have a lot of confidence because they can find information very quickly. Uh, and they know that what they're looking at is right. And we have a verification engine that automatically reminds subject matter experts to verify content, verify that this is still the right sales asset. This is the right version of the deck. 
Uh, this is the right competitive battle card. Competitors change all the time. Mm-hmm. That information needs to be re-reviewed. You know, so we automate the process of reminding people to do that. When I'm a rep, I open up something in Guru. It says, you know, this was verified by Andy. He verified it last quarter, and he verifies it every 90 days. Cool. I trust it's right. I'm going to use that. I'm going to speak confidently about how we're better than this competitor you know, on, on, on my phone call. <laughs> of course, you're talking about salespeople. They're going to be confident talking about their competitors, whether they're right or wrong. So it's <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, remember, remember, a, 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 a good chunk of our users are SDRs, and SDRs sure. haven't been in sales that long. And so <laughs> haven't learned the I bad habits, think, right? <laughs> I, yes, I do think that confidence thing is uh, is an important one too. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. So I mean, you're really a sales enablement tool. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Yep. So I mean. It seems like knowledge management or knowledge asset management, content management systems sort of seem to be popular these days. Um, why do you think that is? I mean, it's it's sort of interesting. As you know, we've have we over made things sort of overly complex so that we have to have these types of systems. I mean, I was just talking to someone recently about. Well, we talked about earlier about creating our own problem, creating the complexity, and I was talking to someone earlier today that sort of agreed with that. As you know, we're creating functions within sales, sales enablement perhaps being among those, um, that are really sort of necessity because we created all this complexity ourselves. Yeah, that's um, a, a little depressing, but, uh, but yes, um, <laughs> I, think, I think, yes, you could, you could absolutely make the argument that if you believe that it's more important ever to be personalized in how you, you sell and educate your customers and, and you hold that to be a true statement, then what follows behind that is the way you enable your reps to be able to do that well ha- increases in complexity 100%. There's also the statement sure. that I think is it, a lot of people believe too, which is that buyers educate themselves a lot more before they talk to a salesperson for the first time than they used to. Sure. I, I do believe that as well. Right. That only ups the ante of how informed and educated a rep needs to be in order to have have that conversation. So I think that's a big part of why products like um, Guru are are becoming more and more important. You know, I, I look at I, I look at it as like when I look at our customers and I reverse engineer, like why now? Like why did that specific customer buy Guru? It's interesting. It's like always tends to be one of two things. One is the obvious one, which is they're growing their sales team fast. And as a result of growing their sales team fast, they need a strong enablement program to make sure they can you know, start contributing the pipeline quickly. The other one, which I find, frankly, a little more interesting is they're going through a change in their product or go-to-market uh, specific product marketing. Uh, and it's a substantial change. So they're either launching a new product or they're revamping how they talk about or go to market with that product. And so, for example, one of our customers, Optimizely, um, mm-hmm. for years was selling uh, A-B testing to right. you know one type of buyer, pretty straightforward sales process. And last summer began their shift to begin offering solutions to four different personas. And it's called Optimizely X, and it's their new platform. And they were coming to market with that towards the end of last year. So every rep on the team went from having to know how to have one conversation with one type of persona to how to have four different conversations with four different types of folks. It led to four different categories of sales assets. It led to four different um, categories of competitors because there's different ways that people solve that problem based on who you're talking to and how they think about the problem. So it, to your point, 
created this complexity. It was a necessary one, but it upped the ante and criticality of going, hey, these reps have to be have to have this stuff at their fingertips. It's not something where we can expect them to have it all memorized. And it changes a lot. The dynamics of all those things change now across, you know, four different dimensions. Um, so that that product launch one is a super interesting one for me. It's like, okay, this this seems to be happening more and more. We all we always launch ship new products a lot, but this point of going, getting smarter about how we sell, learning more, and then revamping how we actually take that to market. And that that tends to drive the need for Guru pretty often. Yeah, I mean, the, certainly understand the complexity of it. Is, is, is part of the artifact, though, that of what's happening is that, um, you know, people talk about how sometimes we're overwhelming sales reps um, with all this information, all the content, all the options that are available. Um, but at the same token, it seems like we're creating sort of the scenario where like life becomes sort of an open book test, right? That they really don't have to, <laughs> in some respects, you know, don't have to know anything because everything they need to know is sort of at their fingertips. Yeah. The um, yeah. Uh, so I think making it easier to find it. Yes, I think that's. But are people not uh, learning uh, it as a result? I mean, that's 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 my concern. I, and I hear this coming back to me from from people we talk to on the show and so on. Is that that this whole concern about you know, you ask, so what's the big problem reps face? You know, I asked you that question earlier. Probably one of the more common answers we get when I ask that question is is not understanding the customer. I'm like, okay, well, that's so interesting. Now we've we've got more tools, more content available than ever. But is the fact that they know where to get since they know where to get it, they're not really learning it? You know what I mean? Totally. Well, there's understanding the customer and there's understanding the product. And right. And so, and so a lot of the things I'm talking about um, are understanding the product. And I think even the best intentioned salesperson, um, at least are for our customers, we're talking about reasonably complex products where it's not necessarily um, appropriate or feasible that they're going to learn it to the depth, to the depth that they need, or, you know, you know, I sell, I'm a rep. I sell a product that integrates with a lot of different things. Well, I, I need to, and I get hit with, how do you integrate with X? Well, mm-hmm. I should be able to pull up that answer, right? That's a pretty common answer. I shouldn't have to bug my engineers with right. how we integrate with X, right? So I think there's, there's, a lot, there's a lot of buckets of knowledge where it's not necessarily feasible to learn it. But to your point, you know, my top three competitors, yes. I should not have to pull up a guru card after the 17th time and just read off of it, you know, like a script. I should know it. I should be able to deliver that in person when I don't have something coaching me. I should I should know that. So certainly the responsibility is there. Um, I definitely agree with you. Um, yeah, I just remember, also, I remember reading, a, I attended a webinar, viewed a webinar, a recorded webinar, and you know, one of the data points they're saying is that you know, fully enabled sellers, I remember if I got this correctly, like 52 cent, 52% better at understanding what content to use, when to use it, and who to use it with. And I was thinking, well, isn't that really what top performers know how to do? <laughs> yes, it, absolutely. But I think the challenge becomes, going back to my four personas example, right? Like, a lot harder when you're talking about having to do that across four different folks and even harder when those assets are changing all the time. Um, and as a result of changing all the time, how do you make sure you're using the right one? Um, but to your point, yes, I think the content problem gets overstated a little bit. Um, there's a lot of folks who I think 
probably probably frame sales enablement is how do I make sure I get the right data sheet to the rep and tell them when to use it. I think there's a lot more to it than that. Well, I, I really think, do. I think so too. Yeah, I think uh, that, but you're right. you're right. I think that's sort of a fixation right now. Is and, it's a fixation, and it seems like a problem that AI is beginning to solve and will solve more fully um, soon. Totally, totally, and 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 it just won't be. Okay, right. There's the you know it that's sort of said in the same breath as you know sales and marketing alignment. It's broken. They're dysfunctional together. And like I, I hear all of that, and 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 you'll definitely hear execs like look at that and go, we have to have sales and marketing aligned. But like to the point you're saying before, like s- s- selling is so much more than just I I send them the right data sheet at the right part of the sales cycle. <laughs> like why you know why didn't they close? Like yeah, like you said, understanding the buyer and understanding the product you're selling and being able to all the other positional knowledge that goes with like being an effective rep is, is, is way more important. Honestly, you know, I think a sales enablement pie has one slice out of it. That's this content stuff. The rest of it is how, how do you actually learn how to sell this stuff? How do you actually learn how to navigate bigger orgs with a more complex buying process with, with procurement and legal and security teams and different decision makers? You know, that, that's that's the stuff I think. So you know, I don't like to oversubscribe the value that you know those you know content solutions tend to provide. I think it's also around the learning that's like the part that has the sustaining value to me. Yeah, well, I think so too, and I think that that one of the you know one of the breakthroughs if we're going to look at yeah how do we how do we make sure these things really have value is say well yeah how do you how do you get the big middle class of sales? You're assuming you got your ten to twenty percent top performers and. 10 to yep. 20% low performers. How do we get that middle group? How do we transform them on a consistent basis? Uh, and to me, it's yep. like, that's where the tools have to be really effective. And that's where we have to do a better job of, of I don't know, teaching people to learn, te- teaching people how to use these things correctly. I mean, that's, yeah, it's great to have it available, but it's, if the people that really need to use it aren't using it effectively, then I don't think you really get the ROI out of it. No, 100%. A hundred percent. Um, and, and the, the ROI point that you're making is so, is so important. I think like this idea of products being closed loop is so critical now. Like we used to buy products and there was no analytics. There was nothing that told you like the impact the product was having. You just like started using it. Mm-hmm. And like, we will replace things like wiki sites and, and we'll talk to customers and we'll be like, well, like, does your team use it? And they'll be like, we don't know. And we'll be like, what do you mean? You don't know. Like, well, there's no analytics. We can't tell who's logging in. Like we don't really know, but we don't think anyone's using it because no one's learning the stuff we're putting on it. No one's like, everyone's asking us the same question over and over again. And I think like those days are over and it's like the vendor has to build that closed loop. What I mean is like product does X, you know, Cadence selling content, what a pick Whatever the category right, of right. software, you know, okay. Did the product actually do that and show a report that, a, that the person paying for it can look at and go, yeah, it did. It actually did. You know, they actually did do this thing this many times in this period of time. It actually did help them win a deal. It helped move a deal through a pipeline. It helped close a support ticket faster, you know, whatever it is. Um, I think is just like, so, um, such a critical feature now um, that has to be part of any solution, anything in sales tech, marketing tech, support technology, like anything that's like helping a customer facing org do things better, probably even more than that, but certainly in those areas, like just so important now. Well, I think though that the the thing that I haven't seen though, and I keep asking guests on the show is, is 
haven't seen data that says, okay, that we're doing with all these tools that we have that we're doing better than we would if we didn't have the tools. I mean, sort of, sort of the ostensibly the reports you see about you know quota attainment, which again is not necessarily the <laughs> the keystone of of all measurements, but just using that as as one example or close rates B two B close rates as Forrester reports and so on going down. It's yeah. like okay, well, yeah, tools are great. I love them. I use them, but you know I can't swear that I mean, I'm selling more because of it. Right. Right. Uh, yeah, the the I, you know, or the maybe perhaps tired analogy of the the vitamin versus the pain pill, or like how do you actually measure um, the impact? Um, oh, I'm with you, man. It's I think it's loose. You know, I think I think one that we have focused on at Guru for our business and our customer sure. that I think is a good one, um, frankly, is um, uh, time to pipeline contribution. So uh, the one category where someone's growing their sales team and they need Guru to help them scale and onboard those reps faster, um, we can actually measure um, if we're doing that. So so because we track all of the uh, engagement and activities that reps take and tie it back to Salesforce, we can actually tell them, you know, hey, here's how long it takes these reps to start doing meaningful activities. Specifically, what I mean by that is pipeline contribution activities um, and then you can benchmark that against uh, the, the sales work that um, wasn't using Guru before, uh, or if it's a bigger company, you know, this department isn't using Guru and this one is. Um, so I think that time to pipeline mm-hmm. is a good one because it's um, tied directly to an outcome that every sales leader is thinking about, which is that um, onboarding time. You know, that's such a cost. Um, and then if you're in a market where you're hiring reps and a high turnover geography, um, that time, that time, that onboarding time becomes even more sensitive because you're, you're, you're dealing with it, you know, 1.3 times or 1.5 times. Cause you have unexpected churn sure. of reps who are doing well. And, um, that's been a good one we've done that I think has gotten customers excited because it does tie to an outcome that they're actually running their business around. But for it to have long-term value, though, is then you have to extend it beyond the onboarding to say, as a result, A, the employee performed at a certain level, which is acceptable, and B, they stayed on longer. Yes, I mean, exactly. I mean, I mean if, if we could onboard more quickly, but if they turn over quickly, then we don't really get the value out of it. So that's that's totally. one of the things I'm talking about in terms of outcomes. I get that with the onboarding. It makes a ton of sense, and it's a great a great way to use use a tool like that. But then also, once they're up to a certain level of proficiency, are they more proficient using any one tool, not necessarily yours, but any one tool? Are they suddenly more proficient? Are they able to help the customers you know, accelerate, build the trusted relationship, and help the customers accelerate their decision-making and, and achieve better outcomes personally? And that's, I want to see that data. Yeah, I'm still hoping somebody will do something and show that. Yeah, I think we're getting there. I mean, I think that I think the the technology like fabric is there to do that now, um, which is cool, because I think, you know, one one really important way that one important thing you need to do what you're talking about is being um, in the reps workflow. Like, I think what doesn't work is to, to try to solve that. And this is how we used to approach this, like, oh, manually log in as a rep, log your call, log what you this time, log what you did. That's the classic fail of a lot of this is expecting that someone will log into a CRM and type it in. The good news is I think the shift, the shift that's happening that is should get us to a data exhaust that can measure the stuff you're after there is 
how can I just gather signals about what the rep's doing without them having to actually do anything, right? So you're seeing technologies now that monitor phone conversations mm-hmm. without you having to do anything, right? The, 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 you know, a bot joins the call and listens in on the call and sure. gives you, you know, analysis. And, um, you know, you see Slack bots now that can very elegantly allow you to update your pipeline as deals move through, um, you know, uh, th- those are the types of things I think that you then can r- look back and go, okay, now I can take all of that behavior data, combine it with the CRM data of the actual deals in the pipeline. Cause you'd at least know that that's going to be in there because reps won't get paid without it. <laughs> mm-hmm, <laughs> and mm-hmm. then you can marry that together. And I think that gets to, um, you, the panacea you're describing there, which is like, all right, let's look back at last quarter. Like how, did the team actually perform better? And like, let's not be, anecdotal about it let's actually be data-driven about that answer well i think data-driven using all the dimensions that are available to to sellers right i mean not just hey as you said volume of things which aren't the most reliable or quality but also time right i mean how much time did it take i mean we measure velocity but to me that's sort of a false measure as opposed to the aggregate amount of time it takes to close a deal for instance yep i mean because to me almost doesn't matter, you know, if it, in one hand, one matter, you think about it, it almost doesn't matter really how long in duration it takes to close a deal as much as how much of your time and money you had to invest to close it. Yeah, well said. Um, well said. I was just about to add that. Yeah, I think, I think you can manage around a longer sales cycle from a, it started this date and ended this date, but what was the like labor burden of actually getting that thing yeah. done? <laughs> you know, how much time did we spend, you know, answering the, that, that security questionnaire that the prospect sent us and we had to go bother, you know, 10 different people across the org to get it all answered. And, you know, how do we actually improve that efficiency there um, and, and, and relieve that burden um, of, of, you know, the internal expert distraction? Yeah, totally, man. I think that's, uh, that's a smart way to look at it. Wow. Okay. With that validation, it's time to end. <laughs> Not many people call me smart on this show, so that's good. Um, well, Rick, it's been great talking to you. And um, tell people how they can find out more about Guru and get in touch with you. Absolutely. Yeah. We are at getguru.com, G E T G U R U.com. Uh, and you can absolutely learn more about the product, check out videos, sign up for a trial. Um, we'd love to chat and uh, uh, ed, uh, educate you on how uh, how we can help. I appreciate, right. uh, appreciate the time, Andy. Hey, it's been a pleasure. I look forward to having you back on the show again. So, hey, friends, thanks for joining us as well. Make sure you come back, check out another great episode of Accelerate. And uh, if you haven't done so already, go to iTunes, subscribe to the show, leave a review. We'd really appreciate hearing from you, what we can do to help make this a better experience for you. So thanks again for joining me. And until next time, this is Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone. 